The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show, and Happy New Year. So here we are again at another new beginning. At least it's one that most of us recognize as a new beginning. The problem, however, with new beginnings is that we think we have to throw out the old to have the new. We think of it in very black and white purist terms. But what if you knew that you didn't have to eliminate anything to have something new? I mean, things don't die when new things are born. Rather, things are integrated when new things are born. So what does that mean? What does it mean to integrate something old to find something new? Aren't we just supposed to think of something we want, stop thinking negative, and start thinking positive as we work toward our new goals? Well, here it is the 8th of January. Is that still working for you a little over a week into the new year? What's the difference between a drive to a new goal and a drive that comes from integrated material? Well, today we're going to learn how to begin again in a new way. So stay here for the whole show. You don't want to miss it. So first thing we need to talk about is new beginnings. What does that mean? What does it mean to begin again? Well, typically we think that it means I'm going to start over. I'm going to dedicate myself to doing it right now. And first we've decided what is right and, 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 and we've set that up as a goal. And then we somehow come along and sabotage ourselves and then we don't do it and we're back where we were before we ever started. And we all know that that's the way typically New Year's resolutions go. That we uh, say, for example, start out the year by saying we're going to have a diet. We're going to be on a diet, excuse me, and we're going to lose X amount of weight and we're going to exercise X amount of times per week and we're going to, you know, start over and do it right. And uh, then within a week, two weeks, at the very latest, three weeks, we've stopped. And why that happens, you know, we can curse ourselves and beat ourselves up and question ourselves at nausea about why that happens, but it keeps happening. So we can say, well, you know, I've just got this inner saboteur in there, and he, she, it will keep me from doing the things I want to do, or, well, my old ego, that's the poor guy that gets blamed all the time for our mishaps and our uh, misdirectedness. And we, you know, we want to say, well, that's just the way it is. You know, I'm just not going to be able to do this. And we develop this sort of helpless place, and then we feel bad about that and after a while we develop that new goal and we get a new drive going and we start yeah i'm going to do it this time i'm going to do it this time and then we don't do it so uh we the whole thing is is sort of a cycle and we just keep going through it and we've if we can look back many of people that i talk with tell me i looked back at my journals you know five years ago and i was saying the same stuff five years ago that i'm saying now well that's a part of the problem with new beginnings is that we think 
that we have to do it in that old black and white purist rendition. So if I'm going to start something new, I have to get rid of that bad part of me that is uh, uh, keeping me from doing something new. And, of course, then the bad part of me comes stepping back out of the darkness and takes over. And then I stop doing the new thing that I was going to do. Well, the problem there is that we're squaring off into different aspects of ourselves. We're, we're fighting against ourselves at every turn. If I say, my ego keeps me from doing that, or my ego makes me do that, but I've got a higher self, and I need to get rid of ego, then what I'm doing is setting myself up to fail. Because when I square off against me, I lose. There's only one of me. There's not two of me. There's only one of me. And so if I start saying there's two of me, then I'm going to square off between me one and me two. And uh, me two is supposed to lose and me one is supposed to win, right? And it never happens because there's been no integration. Me one and me two are the same person. Hello. <laughs> there's not a way to beat ego without beating me one. All right. So... We, we, we can't uh, have a fight with ourselves and come out winning because whatever part of us loses, that's us too, all right? So I really want that part to be really clear before we can go any further. We need to understand that nothing dies when something new is born. Now, now am I saying that nothing inside of us ever dies? No, I'm not saying that. I do think things, parts of our, our, uh, certainly identities can, can shift and move and even die away. We can look back over years of experience and I certainly can look back over my life and I can say for sure that I have been at least four different people in this lifetime. Um, because I, I once upon a time was a very shy little girl who didn't talk very much at all. If you can believe that. And, uh, I look back at that little girl and say, who were you? Um, I think I know her pretty well, though, because in part, not completely, still got stuff I'm working on, but in part, I have integrated her. And uh, so I ha- so in order to move forward, it's just like death. Nothing really dies when it dies. It moves on to another way of being. So in that sense, when we're trying to get rid of some part of ourselves, it's not really going to die if it ever dies, because... Some part of it will shift and change and move forward. So we don't want parts of us to go away. We want parts of us to integrate. And so that's the real, real crux of what I want to talk about today with regard to how we can begin again. Uh, when, when, it, when integration is brought into the room, what we're talking about is taking everything with us. <laughs> But it will be changed. It will be different than it originally was. So if we could objectify this and say turn my ego into a football, that's appropriate after uh, Monday night's football game, right, um, uh, at the Rose Bowl, we, we, if I could turn my ego into a football and I could walk by some garbage can and throw it in the garbage can and walk away dusting my hands and saying, don't need that anymore. But then the football comes back and I have dreams about playing football every night. Um, or uh, uh, I, I find myself daydreaming about the games of football I used to play. Do you see what I'm saying? It didn't go away. It's trying to integrate. 
So that whole, that whole process of beginning again is not one where we say, okay, I'm going to lose 50 pounds and that part, that me, that, that me, that what we would classically call the fat me, uh, is going to go away and I'm going to be a new skinny me, right? Um, what that means is that we're trying to tamp down the voice of that person who wants to eat a lot. And instead of listening to that voice, we want to operate as if uh, there is no voice. There is no other voice except the skinny me's voice. And um, so, you know, now we've begun in America to sort of understand uh, the political incorrectness of the word fat. And I think that's great. I think it's really good that we're doing that because that allows us the potential to integrate the voice of what we would have previously called the fat me. And what that means is we're not going to be saying, oh, you bad old me, you have to go away. We're saying, okay, well, tell me about you. Tell me, tell me about what had been previously called fat me. Let me, let me hear from that person. And let me see what that person is trying to say to me by eating, by overeating, uh, or under-exercising. What are you trying to say to me? And, and then I can get the message, and then I can integrate that, and then I can move forward with a new plan. So, uh, so we, we, we will not accomplish our goals by trying to square off against a bad or, or failing or unsuccessful or ugly or, uh, otherwise hated part of ourselves. We will not succeed that way. And yet, I will tell you, and you will hear this from others, that there are many, 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 many leaders, spiritual leaders out there right now, today, even as I'm speaking, telling you that you have to get rid of ego. You have to get rid of that bad old part of you. Or you have to, you know, stop sinning, uh, you know, in, in some other uh, context that would be called stop sinning. Um, get rid of ego. Stop doing this other thing. Um, and what I say is, first, in order to stop one thing, we have to start another. Um, like, for example, if someone's going to stop drinking, it's most effective for them to start attending AA meetings or start going to therapy or or start uh, by going into a treatment facility or something like that. You, you don't stop one thing without starting another. So if you just say, well, I'm just not going to drink anymore, you're going to be drinking in a few days, if not tonight. Um, but if you say, okay, I need help stopping drinking, so I'm going to go start this other thing, and I'm going to see if I can uh, let that sort of gestate inside of me, this new thing gestate inside of me. And the thing that works, if, if, um, re- rehab works for a, a person who has an alcohol problem, it is because that person begins to do the work of listening to the part of themselves that wants to drink. Okay? They don't just go in there and white knuckle it and say, I won't, I won't think about that part of me that wants to drink. I'm not going to think about that part of me. I'm just going to send that part of me away. It's going to go away. I'm never going to think about that again. They'll be drinking soon. They'll be getting themselves out, out of treatment, uh, AMA. They will be um, drinking, using whatever they do, whatever substance is their um, drug of choice. So if we – but if we talk about it in terms of, okay, what is it that makes me drink? What are my triggers? What, what, it, what 
what is it that I tell myself that gives me permission to go ahead and drink after I've sworn just that morning that I'm not going to drink? What happens? What do I do? Where do I go unconscious? When do I go unconscious? What am I telling myself when I go unconscious? Those are the things that begin to help somebody really rehab an addiction. Um, and there are all kinds of addictions. Food is just one. Alcohol, substances, sex, money, work, Coca-Colas, you name it. We can be addicted to anything. But the, the, the process of moving forward and into a new way of living is going to evolve understanding the old way of living. It's not going to just be a, well, I've set this goal for myself and I'm going to achieve it. Now, having said that, I will tell you that there are people out there who will, by their behavior, prove me wrong. (laughs) They will say, I'm not going to drink anymore, and they won't drink anymore. But I will tell you, they are not fully rehabbed. They are not changed because they are not drinking. Um, And very often, they go for years without drinking. But then someday something hits and they start drinking again. And that's not to say that people who don't go, who go into rehab don't ever relapse. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is there is a way to change that's not really changing. There's a way to do something different without being something different. Um, and many of us do that and it works. I've done it in the past. I've gone on diets that were pretty strict diets and lost a lot of weight. Um, and maintained it and, and, and I felt that I was really doing the right thing, and uh, it worked, and, and I stayed thin for a long time, and I, and I really worked that program and, and thought that I had accomplished something, but I had still not integrated those other parts of me that needed to be heard from. And uh, so you, that can we be successful, look, look successful uh, by changing what we do? Yeah, yeah, we can. And there are people who are out there today who will say, I'm going to have a million dollars by such and such a time. And by such and such a time, they get a million dollars. Um, and we could say, that's a drive. That's a drive to succeed. And they did it. And what did they have to sacrifice to make that happen? Well, they had to sacrifice what they had to sacrifice. And, um, uh, but, but in terms of actual real depth change, I don't know whether that's really a depth change or not. Maybe it is. Maybe that person built confidence along the way. Maybe they were listening to the other voice that would say, you know, don't succeed. And and they were beginning to integrate that. Maybe not. I don't know. But I can tell you that this year, if you want change to occur in your life and be lasting change, it's not going to mean getting rid of your ego. It's not going to mean getting rid of uh, one part of you while you establish a new you. It's not going to mean stopping one thing without starting another. It's going to mean learning how to integrate. And uh, so, so okay, let me give you a little bit of a start on what I mean by integration. Um, integration is a blending. And, it, and when we blend something, the, the, something, the two somethings that were uh, so object, uh, um, I'm going to blend some butter with some milk. Right, the butter changes; it becomes more liquid. The milk uh, changes; it becomes more buttery, and now we have a whole new thing. And uh, that's also considered by Carl Jung and and many others, and many of his followers, and as well as others, uh, to be a uh, what's called an alchemical shift. So that. Um, and when you think about it in terms of chemistry, uh, you put two chemicals together and both of them change and then they develop a new chemical. Um, so uh, 
that that whole thing is what we're talking about when we're talking about integration. You take both sides of an argument and you put them together in a way that changes both of them. So there is no purist way to do this. There is no get rid of one thing and and have only the the pure thing left. It doesn't work that way. And our thinking along those lines that there is a right, a pure, and a totally righteous way to go about doing this is skewed. It's very, very skewed, and it's defeatist. Um, and we, we, we will not um, grow to the degree of taking in a quote-unquote higher self when we're thinking that way. Um, when we, you know, one of my biggest complaints over the past five years since I've been doing this show is, is the idea that we should get rid of the ego. And you've heard me talk about that before. If you've, if you've been listening to the show at all, you've heard me say that getting rid of ego is A, not possible and B, not healthy. Uh, we don't get rid of ego. Ego is not the bad part of us. It is not the part of us that is weak or small or human while the other big uh, higher self is this superhuman uh all of it is is god all of it is divine and the ego is just a liaison between the inner and the outer world it has no more power than that it gives brings messages between the two that's all it's supposed to be now if we weight the ego more on the side of unconscious, then the messages are going to be skewed along that way. If we weight the ego more along the side of consciousness or external referencing, then that's it's going to be skewed in that direction. But that doesn't mean that the ego is the problem. It means that the weights are off. Okay, I'm being more unconscious than conscious, or I'm being too conscious and not paying enough attention to the conscious, unconscious world, the dreaming world, the intuitive world, that world. So uh, that's how we get out of balance, not by being more ego than we are higher self, but by weighting the 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 balancing beam of the ego uh, stronger in in unconsciousness or consciousness than the other. Um, so. What Carl Jung talked about was uniting the opposites. And he said that's basically the goal of our lives is to unite the opposites within us. The masculine archetype and the feminine archetype are to be united. Um, the, the self, which is the center, central organizing feature of who we are, um, self with a capital S is, is, um, going to unite with all the other aspects of our, our, all the other archetypes and all the other aspects of ourselves in order for us to be able to be whole people. So there's a totality there that comes from that kind of integration. So we're going to talk a lot more about this integration, what it means and what it doesn't mean right after this break. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. 
host, Simran Singh, will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. How can you make holistic health care work for you? When you are in search of wholeness, it's time to listen to Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life with host Renee David Alkali. Here you will find cutting-edge information that approaches the human being as a biochemical, individual, whole person, rather than as a set of isolated symptoms. Learn how it all comes together on Mind, Body, Spirit, Living a Holistic Life. Live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Every moment that we live provides us with numerous opportunities to grow more deeply spiritually through our active engagement in positive, concrete ways that can uplift, encourage, and help ourselves and each other. Become a part of Our Sacred Journey with your host, Audrey Katagawa. Our program will include guests who will share their experiences with you to inspire you to help create a peaceful, cooperative present and future and to explore your creativity and the valuable contributions which you can make. Our Sacred Journey airs live Mondays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on 7th Wave. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following, holistic theology, offering as terminal degrees both a Th.D. and a Ph.D., holistic ministries, holistic health and spiritual care, metaphysical spirituality, and alternate spiritual traditions, which includes in-depth studies of the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. What is most important to AIHT's model 
is the exploratory nature of studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths. Utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world, the coursework allows students to explore and find their own spiritual experience and path, and then, if they wish, to take healing, help, and wisdom to others. So AIHT is changing the world one student at a time. And all you have to do to enroll is either go to www.aiht.edu or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, if you'd like to enroll right now, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we said we would talk about uh, what is the meaning and uh, of integration and how that works, and that's what we're about to do. And the question that we start with is this. How would a person become authentic if they are trying to close down on some part of themselves? But you see, that's what we've been teaching. We've been teaching that the only way that we could be authentic is to close down some aspect of ourselves. We're supposed to get rid of ego. And then we can be authentic. We can be the genuine, divine, higher self that we actually are. If only we could get rid of that ego. And from a religious perspective, particularly traditional Western religion, we would say, I could be more godlike if I could just stop sinning. So we have a new language for the same old archetype. And then the archetype is, there's a part of me that has to go. And some other part of me that's better than that other part of me, that one gets to stay. But if we take that to its final uh, conclusion, what that means is that there's um, that that I'm splitting myself in half in order to become authentic. And how could half of me describe wholeness? It can't. And so the whole process is about integration. It's about being able to unite all the opposites within me into one wholeness. Now. A way to talk about that is to consider all the different aspects of yourself as sort of a committee. And some people talk about a committee in your head. Well, this is not just a committee in your head. This is a committee in you, your body, your mind, your, your brain, your everything. It's a committee. And each member of that committee has a voice. And each voice has a message. Um, it may not be saying the message directly, but it has a message. And the message may be more in the way that committee member sits at the table. You've seen this. You've been on committees. There, there's a bunch of people on this committee. And you know what it's like to have a bunch of people on a committee. You're, you're, you're not really getting a whole lot done because everybody's got an opinion and everybody's opinion is right and everybody's going to argue with everybody else about their opinion and it's really slow going. And that's how it is to try to integrate our material where it's not going to be this fast, sped-up process where we, where we suddenly, uh, you know, meet our goal. I've met my goal and we're done now. Uh, you know, uh, it doesn't work that way. That's not how integration works. It's a slow process because every voice gets to be heard. And now I'm not sitting and I'm not talking about some kind of meticulous, um, um, detailed kind of way of digging around in your psyche so that you have to um, work really hard to hear all the voices. And uh, No, I'm not talking about that. What I am talking about is trusting the process. The process is one in which every voice gets, gets heard inside my psyche. All the time, there's a, a, um, there's a river of information. And uh, so there's, that river is 
um, if you want to think about it separately, which it's not a really good plan, but if we're going to have to differentiate it so we can uh, integrate it. Um, the, the river is, is my unconscious material coming forth. And my unconscious material has, has messages that have to do with unresolved stuff. Um, that my unconscious material has messages from my divine self. My unconscious material has all kinds of symbolic messages that are trying to present all the time. Now, we say that when we go to sleep, we get in touch with the dream world, and the dream world gives us messages. Um, and this, these messages are, uh, have to do with what's going on in the psyche. And, uh, so we can try to interpret those dreams the next morning. But what's really true is that that, that same information is going on all the time. 24-7. It's just that when we go to sleep, we access it. Okay? That's the only difference. If we can learn how to access that information while we're awake, that would be ideal. That doesn't mean we have to live in that information. We don't tilt over to the unconscious and let it take over. We have to balance the opposites, the unconscious and the conscious. So on this committee, there's the unconscious and there's the conscious. On this committee, there's the ego, which I said was a balancing beam. A, a liaison only between the unconscious and the conscious, between the internal and the external. That's all the ego is. It has no more power than that. And we have given it tremendous power. We have basically told it that it is the, the, the power that controls everything in our lives. And it just isn't. There's a mix of lots of different things going on all the time that are really to sort of weighing in and taking control temporarily and then something else takes control and then something else and then something else. So uh, so we, we need to be able to chair our committee. That's just a way of talking about it. So I'm not talking about the chair being this big bad, big bad boss that controls all the members and says, you shut up, you talk to, to different people on the committee. What I am saying is that every committee member has a voice the, the chair of the committee hears the voices and then makes its decision about what it's going to do. And like I said, that is not some kind of meticulous, detailed process we have to dig around in the psyche and drag stuff out, kicking and screaming, and say, okay, we're going to have a talk now. That's not how that works. Uh, what, it, what it is is a process of, un, of opening awareness. I, I started to say unfoldment, but it's really not even unfoldment. It's an opening awareness. Nothing new is being presented. We've always known it on some level, but we are waking up to it. And so the more we're sort of called by something pressing inside of us to do something. Um, for example, something may come up and repeat itself again and again over a period of time. So, for example, you might start crying about a specific thing over and over, over a period of time. And you wonder, why is that thing making me cry? And you begin to sort of be with it, sit with it, listen to it, let it explain itself to you a little bit. You might go, so you know what, I I really still don't understand this, so I'm going to go to a therapist who's going to help me try to sort this out. And and maybe that will give me some direction. I need to hear what this voice is really trying to tell me. Because it's got a message. Um, and when we square off against parts of ourselves, we miss the message. And if there's one message that I want you to hear today, it's that. When we square off against parts of ourselves, we miss the message. The message doesn't come through. 
we can't hear it because we've told it to shut up and go to its room and don't come out until never. <laughs> but it's coming back out, of course, um, in some other way, a sneakier way, a more underhanded way. That's what happens with repressed material. It goes into its room, it closes the door, and then after a little while, it comes back out again. Uh, only this time it comes back out by seeping under the door or by sneaking through the keyhole or by um, uh, or by uh, uh, allowing somebody to else to sort of come into the room so we can slip out. Um, it is uh, energy, and energy cannot be suppressed forever. It will out. And so this idea that we're supposed to square off against opposite parts of ourselves um, is is not ever going to work. Let's try that in terms of one of the opposite archetypes that uh, Carl Jung talked about. He talked about the archetype of the feminine and the archetype of the masculine. And he was not referring to gender. He was referring to a way of thinking that he labeled as feminine or masculine, a way of thinking and being. Um, so... And when I, when I've sort of studied this quite a bit, and one of the things that I've come to understand is that the, the feminine is at its bottom line, after all the other sort of, um, descriptors are given to it, the, the feminine is the internal. And after all the other descriptors are given to the, the masculine, the masculine is the external. So the way they would work together in its ideal form is, we would go inside and listen to the internal and listen to its message, and then we would take that message out into the external world to manifest it. Okay, so if I've got a message that says, I am longing for uh, a meaning in my life, and I'm going to go in here and explore what that meaning is, and I find out that I just really have loved music for a long time and have not done enough with it. And so now I can take that and go out into the external world and manifest my music. Now, I've totally simplified that, but you get the point. So if if we we think in those terms, then that's a kind of integration. The masculine and the feminine have joined hands to work together for a common goal. And in the process, the feminine is now more aware of the masculine, and that's in the mix, and and more aware of the external world, and that's in her, in in that internal mix, and the external world is now more aware of the internal world, and that's in the mix. So both of them have changed some um, alchemically, but both of them also are um, are being more true to their real essence, which is uh, to be. Uh, more masculine, more being able to present into the external world what is, more feminine, more being able to see what's in the internal world to, to know that. So the, the, the truth is that we become more real the more we unite the opposites. And each part, each aspect becomes more genuine as it unites with other aspects. But we are afraid that union means loss. We are afraid that if we listen to the masculine, we will become masculine. We'll be only externalized. And we are afraid uh, that if we um, listen more to the feminine, then we'll become more feminine. And since we tend to think, uh, um, to, since we tend to think that we are going to um, eliminate parts of ourselves, then we will 
bring about um, a defeat by doing that. Um, so we tend to think in these terms, I am, I am in need of losing weight. I want to lose weight. I want to lose X amount of pounds. Therefore, I am going to stop doing all those things that make me gain weight. Um, I'm going to start exercising and I'm going to stop overeating. And I'm not going to listen to anything else, period, end of subject. <laughs> and so when the little girl in the commercial comes to my door selling Girl Scout cookies, I'm going to slam the door in her face and go eat some yogurt. Um, <laughs> when uh, my friends tempt me to go have a hamburger with them, I'm not going to go with my friends. Um, so we, so I'm, I'm doing this black and white thing because if I get in that room where the hamburger is, that hamburger is going to call me and I'm going to have to eat it. <laughs> okay, do you see that black and white means I have to pull my life into a smaller place. And life doesn't want to be pulled into a smaller place. It wants to expand and expand and expand and expand and expand. Life energy itself is expansive energy. So in, in, in terms of um, integrating that material, uh, for, if, if we go back to the masculine and feminine archetypes, when we integrate that, we bring about wholeness. We've put those two things together and we've said, okay, I found out the message that was inside me and now I can take it outside of me and both parts change. If, if we think of it in terms of, oh my gosh, well, if I listen to the feminine and I might become more feminine if I'm a man and if I listen to the masculine, I might become more masculine if I'm a woman. We've, A, we've reduced it to gender um, and it's not reducible that way. But B, we have... We have said there are only two ways to be, and I've got to choose one. Be this way or be that way. And it will mean, when I choose this, it's going to mean X, Y, and Z. So we have falsely determined in advance a preconceived value for that particular archetype. And we've said to ourselves, that's how it's got to be. So if we bring that into the world of losing weight, for example, that's one of the common things that happens at the beginning of the new year. If I bring that into the world of losing weight, then I would say that, oh my gosh, if I listen to that, those people who want me to eat out with them, I might listen to, quote unquote, the, the politically incorrect term, fat me. Uh, I will listen to her and, oh my gosh, she'll take over and then I will lose myself in that and I won't be able to fight her. Well, if she's really that strong, <laughs> we might ought to be listening to what she has to say to us. I mean... Truly, if she's really that strong, we need to hear what she's got to say. She's got a message for us, and we're trying to shut her down. It's not going to work. All right. So when we talk about being tempted, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about hearing from a part of ourselves that we put in the closet. That's it. That's all temptation is. We stuck a part of ourselves in the closet, and we said, Oh, my God, I can't hear from you. You're bad. You're going to hurt me. You're something. You're, I don't want you in my life. You stay in your room. Never come out. Stay in your room. And, but, you know, we walk by the room and you smell the smell or it, you know, those cartoons where some smell looks like a wave of smoke and it comes seeping out under the door and it gets under your nose and you oh my God, I want that hamburger. Let me have that hamburger, please, now. And we eat the ha- hamburger and we have this oral orgasm <laughs> because we've allowed ourselves to give in to 
to uh, that other part of us that we tried to put in the closet um, because it's powerful. It wants out. It wants to be heard. But we think, oh, my God, if I let it out, I'll just be, you know, 900 pounds tomorrow because we're scared of its power. But if we listen to its message, then the power is converted to a message. Now we have a powerful message. Okay? And it would be like this. I eat because um, it makes me feel comforted. And I never got enough comfort in my life when I was growing up. And so now, whenever I'm worried about something, I'm going to eat. And it makes me feel better. So if you tell me to stop eating, what you're telling me is that I cannot be comforted. Now, who wants to live that way? Truly. So we're taking away all of our comfort and we're saying, okay, now, just go the rest of your life without being comforted and don't ask for anything else. Really? That's not going to happen. And we know it. Come on. When we think about it that way, it's not going to happen. But if we listen to the message, we go, okay, okay, I see. I need comfort. So let me see. What can I, what are the various ways that I can go about comforting myself? What new self-soothing techniques can I use to comfort me? Is it a bubble bath? Is it a walk? Is it a conversation with a friend? Is it only a certain kind of music? Is it um, going to the top of my building and looking at the sky at night? Is it, I had one person tell me what she needed was a, a TV table, a, a little thing of a yogurt, a candle, and a blanket, and she was good. Some people dance naked in their homes. Whatever it is, it is another method of seeking comfort. So the messenger says, I need comfort. And food has been my only method of getting it. So, okay, we don't need to stop eating. And we don't need to stop being comforted by eating. We just need to add some more uh, methods of being comforted to the, to the list of self-soothing techniques. And then... Food won't have so much weight. Now we've integrated. Now we've done something to hear the message. Instead of saying, you just go away, we've said, okay, I'm going to incorporate you into my way of being now. I'm going to take you in and I'm going to allow you to have your say. Now, now I can be comforted in a a myriad of ways and food does not have that much power over me anymore. That's integration. The same thing with any goal we have. If I'm going to um, decide that I'm going to change jobs, for example, well, if I'm just going to change jobs and keep uh, stay in the same kind of field that I've been in, but being in that field makes me tired, but it's what I've been doing all my life, and it's the thing I have the most experience in, and nobody's going to hire me if I say I want to be a salesman if I've been, uh, you know, working in the back room of of some kind of digital office somewhere, Uh, you know. So, But I really would love to be a salesman. That's what I would love to do. I'm tired of working in this back room. I'm tired of not having any people contact, and I'm tired of that. So why can't I be a salesman? All right. If I'm listening to that voice, then, then I need to be able to put that into my curve, my learning curve about what it is that I can do next. All right, I've got to find a job, yes, but does it have to be the job I hate? Got just done somewhere else? No, it doesn't. It means I can listen to that longing inside of me and, and take it seriously and say, okay, 
All right, so what can I do? What kind of thing could I sell that is believable to somebody who knows that I've been in the dark room working with widgets for years? Okay? Um, it, it, it is about trying to be creative. And when we're creative, we can unite the opposites. Uh, as an artist, I know I blend colors all the time. And when I blend the colors, the, the whole schema changes. Um, and I try to come from a deeper place when I'm doing artwork. I can't, I'm not always successful at that, but I do try to come from a deeper place that this allows the creative energy to come forth and throw itself on the canvas. And I don't mean by that that I'm literally throwing things at a canvas, although there are artists who do that and I can completely understand what they're doing when they do that because they're just trying to let it come out and be what it is and I think that's the truest creativity is that we can let go and let it be what it is so if that's true in terms of integration then I've got to let both sides or maybe three or four sides of a particular dilemma come forth and say what they've got to say so that I can see it and sometimes doing artwork is a really good way of trying to integrate material Writing is another good way. So when I'm doing artwork, right now I want to put this red bold color down here. And then in a minute I want to put this softer green over here. And, and I, I want a tree over here, but I want a rock over here. What is that? There's, there's parts of me that are expressing, that are trying to come forth. And in just doing that work and letting, letting it be as visceral as it can be, then what comes out is... Oh, there's, there's, there's information here for me. And maybe I can't quite put it into words yet, but if I keep working with this, I will be able to give it a name. And once I can give it a name, then my intellect, which also needs to be included into the equation, can grab hold of it. And then we can take it and do something with it. And then I've brought it, maybe I can even bring it into the external world. Not just as a painting, but as a, something new I want to do with my life some new relationship or some new way of relating, um, some way of relating to myself, something different. So, so integration is the pathway to wholeness. And we do have to differentiate before we can integrate. So what do I mean by that? Differentiation is seeing the difference. That's basically what differentiation is. I see the difference between a lamp and a desk. I see the difference between my water bottle and a telephone. I see the difference between um, this this really soft, vulnerable, quiet place inside of me and this other loud, um, got-to-be-heard place inside of me. Uh, there's two different things that are going on at the same time. And in that process of of letting them be, what comes forth is information. Then I can, then I can allow that soft, vulnerable part to, to begin to talk to that other part of me that wants to be loud. Or I allow the loud part of me to talk to, might be more workable that way, let the louder part of me, uh, talk to the soft, quiet, vulnerable part of me and begin the, begin a dialogue. In my first book called Restoring My Soul, a workbook for finding and living the authentic self, I talk about dialoguing between the the two different uh, poles of some particular dilemma and getting them in a real talk so they get to know each other. And as they get to know each other, they begin to develop empathy for each other. And as they 
begin to develop empathy for each other, they uh, begin to unite and they begin to put their energies together to accomplish a goal. So that's how that works. I mean, you've seen it in in your life. You meet somebody at, uh, in a classroom or at a restaurant or in a grocery store, and you get to talking about something, and one of you's working on a project, and the other one says, hey, man, i got to help you with that. Let me tell you, i got this and this and this. And then you start putting their, your little ideas together, and out comes something wholly new. Uh, there wasn't there before you started talking. And that's how it is to get the, the two, two parts of us dialoguing. That's what it is to begin to, to do the work of integration. Now, again, I am not, I want to be very clear, I am not recommending that we go digging around in the, the unconscious trying to get information to force itself out or force the information out. Um, I do know that there are people out there right now, and some of you might be listening, who are trying to do that. And the reason typically that you're doing that is because you want to get to that higher self and you just know that if you can meditate and drag all those ugly parts of you out, kicking and screaming and throw them away, release them is the, t- is the word we typically use, then, then we can have only the higher self and then I'll just finally be that good person I think I am or then I can finally live in bliss all the time or then I can finally have that lifestyle I've always wanted and see where well, you get the if I can and the, the then, that's a bargain. Anytime you're saying, if I can do this, then I'll have that, you're bargaining. And a bargain is a stage of grief. It's a stage of acceptance where we, uh, we're, we, are, we say to ourselves, okay, I need this thing, but I can't figure out a direct route to get it. So I'm going to tell myself that if I do this, then I can have it. So if I'm married to an alcoholic and I really want him to not be an alcoholic, then I might say, well, if I tell him about how this feels for me or if I um, put up with him drinking more or if I just try to kill him with kindness or if I, I've got a million if I's there, then he'll stop drinking and then I can have the happy marriage I wanted to have. That's a bargain. And we bargain with the universe when we say, If I can go inside of me and drag out all the ugly parts of me and throw them away, then I can finally be that higher self. And so for many people who are very spiritual people, their goals at the beginning of a new year are, I'm going to meditate more. I'm going to become that higher self that I uh, that I want to be. And in that process, what we're doing is I'm going to go in there and when I meditate and I'm going to drag up some of that those parts of me and I'm going to cry and I'm going to release that stuff and I'm going to do that work and I'm going to, yeah. And then we get up and we walk away and, and we, we don't know what, why it's not working. It's not working because the, the conscious you is trying to run the show instead of allowing the unconscious you to have its say. We can't force this thing into place. It is our lifelong journey, this thing of authenticity. And it is a tell the truth today and tell the truth again this moment and this moment and this moment and this moment. That's the way it is. It's not a long-term plan. It's not something you can orchestrate and say, this is what's going to happen. Um, it doesn't work that way. Integration doesn't work that way. Consciousness doesn't work that way. Wholeness doesn't work that way. But they do work when we trust the process. Now, what do I mean by trusting the process? There is a part of me that is always, that is whole already. It's not a part. It's a wholeness. <laughs> there is a totality within me, a wholeness within me. And it, it, it is the central organizing feature of my life. Therefore, 
everything that is happening, all those other voices on the committee are still being run by the chairperson, which is my totality, my wholeness. All right. It is already happening. I just don't trust that process. And I don't trust that everything is coming as it is going to come. Now, I'm not talking about determinism. I'm not talking about fate. I'm talking about a wholeness that can take everything that happens and merge with it in a way that changes both things. Both the wholeness shifts and the thing that happens shifts. So everything shifts along that way. And we become more and more authentic, more and more aware of our already given wholeness. So that's what I've been talking about in my books. That's what I talked about in Restoring My Soul. That's what I talked about in The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. And that's what I've talked about in this latest book, Inhabiting Heaven Now. Um, but it, And it's what I'm talking about on the show and have been talking about since the beginning and probably will be talking about to the bitter end. I'm, uh, it, it is a process, this thing of authenticity. We don't suddenly one day get authentic. <laughs> we are moving into greater and greater levels of authenticity constantly because our wholeness is orchestrating that. So we say, well, why do I get attracted to people that don't treat me nice? Well, you're, you're one part of your committee is talking. And when you're asking that question, another part of the committee is talking. And those two people begin to talk. And things begin to shift and change as you have that dialogue. And who's orchestrating all that? The wholeness that wants you to become whole. So your psyche is always leaning toward wholeness. There's no way to fail here. There's no way to fail. You just have to trust the process. And uh, and it, it carries you. Now, I'm not saying lay back and do nothing. I'm not saying when when something becomes, when you become aware of something that there isn't some work to do. But the work will not be in telling one part of you to shut that, shut up and let's listen only to this other part of me. The work is going to be trying to find a way to integrate those two voices. And um, so when we've, we know the difference between things, then that we can work with them better. So differentiation says, I know the difference between that part of me that wants to be in this relationship and that part of me that knows that it's over. Um, I know the difference between those two. And now I can put those two together and, and, and go with, yes, I want this relationship to last, but really what I truly want is a relationship that will last. This one is not working. So let me put now this, the one part of me that wants the relationship is going to, is shift a little bit. And the part of me that wants to leave is going to shift a little bit and make room for the part of me that wants to stay. And that's how I'll integrate that shift. And that's how I'll actually make that shift. Um, so, so that's the process of integration, and that's what we really wanted to talk about today. That is how we make a new beginning that is successful, and that is how we will be able to accomplish whatever goal we want to accomplish is by integrating both sides or all sides of that particular dilemma. So next week we're going to be talking to the Reverend Raymond Anderson about the power. What is the power? What does that mean? What is the power of the body? What's the power that's always been there? That's what we're going to be talking about. You want to be here for that next Wednesday at 1 Pacific time for Eastern. See you then. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. 
Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.